Well, good morning. Last week, we started this journey together into the greater than that God has in store for us. And last week, it began, our journey began in a farmer's field of all places, where we found this guy by the name of Elisha. And Elisha was in the middle of his doing what all we, he, all he would do all the day, every day. He, he was in the field, driving the same team of oxen, plowing the same fields. And it was in the middle of his routine, in the middle of his rut, that God comes and interrupts him. He interrupts him by sending this guy by the name of Elijah to choose Elisha to be his next prophet. And God has big, big things in store for Elisha. And Elisha quickly recognizes that God is in this. That when, when Elijah goes by and throws this cloak over him, he sees that God is in the middle of this. That this isn't just the tacos he ate last night. This is God is moving him. All right? And that he begins to pursue after Elijah. But before he does, he goes and kills his cows and burns the plows as if to say, there is no way I am ever going back to that old way of life again. I am out of that rut. And why would he want to go back? Because when you enter in to the greater than that God has in store for you and you leave your ruts behind, you will never be the same again. Why would you ever want to go back to what you had settled for? It's what makes us so sad is when you see people who have settled for less. And they think, this is all God has for me. And oftentimes the people that we see and we think of as great in our culture are often those who have settled for less, because we think of people who are great as those who have riches, those who have become really successful, those who have influence with those who, who make decisions, those who can put something on social media and get thousands of followers and thousands of likes and shares and all that. That's when you're great. But we're about to see that God's greater than for us has nothing to do about making yourself greater. I mean, that's, that's really the secret sauce of this. It's the, the big idea of today's message is that when you are pursuing after the greater that God has in store for you, the lesser your life becomes about you. So I'd like, if you, if you have your device with you today, or if you have a Bible with you today, go ahead and turn to 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. We're going to be there today. And what we're going to see is we're going to travel to the kingdom of Aram. And that's the present day Syria. And, and, and Aram was this neighboring kingdom next to Israel. And Israel had decided to really turn their back on God. They were choosing to follow all these false gods. So God decides to send some punishment their way. And he takes the kingdom of, of Aram and their armies, led by a commander by the name of Naaman, and goes in and fights this really key battle that ends with the death of the king of Israel by the name of Ahab. So Naaman, he is instantly, he returns home a conquering hero. He is now a national hero. He, he goes on all the late night talk shows. 
He gets his medals all over him from, the, from, from his army, from his services. He's a big deal now. And so, by the world standards, this guy Naaman has really achieved greatness. But we're about to see in verse 1 that this greatness that Naaman perceives that he has is the very thing that is blocking him from entering into the greater than that God has for him. So start with verse 1. It says, Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master, highly regarded by the king, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. So from the outside, this guy has everything. He is great, but he has been diagnosed with the worst possible disease of the day. Because with leprosy, not only is it a condition where you're, it is eating away at, the, at your flesh. You are becoming uh, disfigured physically. Even your appendages began to fall off. It even leads to death. This is also a very socially, this is a social plague. One that if you, if you, if you are afflicted with, with, with leprosy, it is very contagious. You are classified as a leper. You get sent away and quarantined away from everyone you love, all your family, and you have to suffer and die alone. And in one of his conquests in Israel, Naaman, he acquires a young woman, a young girl, who he takes as his slave. She has been trafficked from Israel ripped away from her family, ripped away from her homeland, where she is forced to serve at the pleasure of her master. And this young child may seem like a very small footnote in this story. She's not even named. But I think we are to pay special attention to her because she, she's amazing. She... She, in the midst of this horrible situation, she chooses to enter into God's greater story that he is writing for her, even in the midst of her slavery. I mean, if you were in that same situation, you were enslaved, away from your family, away from your home, and you were in in, in slavery, what would your attitude be? Because her attitude isn't God, why have you done this to me? God, why do you allow bad things to happen to good people? Her attitude isn't, woe is me. Her attitude is, God, use me. Because she sees her master suffering from leprosy, and this is what she says in verse 3. If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him Of his leprosy. I mean, what what would you do? You're in that same situation, right? Your master has leprosy. You are the slave. You know what will cure your master who has put you in slavery. Wouldn't you take that knowledge and sit on it? I mean, wouldn't you? It's called karma, Naaman. Look it up. 
You had this coming to you. There's no way I'm telling you. I'm going to enjoy watching you suffer. But children just see things differently than we adults do. They have a different perspective. I was online this week and I was reading this famous kind of popular blog called Humans of New York. And he was highlighting this little girl who is suffering from cancer. And he interviews her father. And the words of the dad just really stuck out to me and hit me hard. And he says this, I think it might be easier for children to battle cancer because they don't understand what can happen. They don't know the what ifs. She can handle how bad it is because she doesn't know how bad it can get. All she worries about is playing. You can't even tell her, you can't even tell when she's feeling bad. She uses her IV pole as a skateboard. She skips through the hall singing Dora. She climbs rocks, rides her bike. I'm the one who has to remind her that you're sick. But children just do things differently than we as adults do. And this slave girl sees her master suffering from this awful, awful disease and that he is going to be separated from his family, left to die alone. And she says, I have the cure. And I want you to have this. Because of all people, I know what it's like to be taken from my family, taken away and and forced to live away from my loved ones. And I wouldn't force that on anyone. Children just see things differently than we do. I mean, Jesus pointed to the very same thing when his disciples were, were arguing over which of them was going to be the greatest into the kingdom of heaven. And there in Matthew 18, Jesus does something very profound. He, he calls a little child to him, the Bible says, and put the child among them. And he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you turn from your sins and become like a a little, like a little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And we're about to see that Naaman's problem isn't that he just has a leprosy problem. He, he has a humility problem. Apparently he's read all the press clippings about him and he He wants to believe them to be true. He thinks he's pretty great. He thinks he's a pretty big deal. And it's his perceived greatness that is blocking him at first to entering the greater that God has for him. I mean, if Jesus were on the scene here, Jesus would have told Naaman, you may be great in the kingdom of Aram, but in my kingdom, it's those who humble themselves as little children are the ones who are great in my kingdom. And so this little child, this servant girl, tells Naaman about this prophet back in her homeland. And this prophet is none other than our boy, Elisha. He's no longer in the farmland. He is now God's prophet. And the word is out that God God is doing amazing things through Elisha. The word even reaches Naaman in this other kingdom through the servant girl, And so Naaman says, you know what? I've tried every remedy. I've seen every doctor that I can find in my country. I'm going to go and check this guy out. 
So in verse 9, jump down there, it says, So Naaman went with his horses, with his chariots, and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. So picture this. Naaman pulls up to Elisha's house with his entire entourage in tow, just showing how great he is. All of his stretched chariots, hummers, right, that you were talking about, they're, they're all out there. His secret service springs into action. They're all doing their thing, talking into their earpieces and all that, and they're running around and opening his door, and out steps out the great Naaman. But he doesn't walk up to Elisha's door and knock. He waits. He doesn't go to his house. He's traveled all of this way, but he can't take the few feet further to go to Elisha's house. He decides to wait for Elisha to come meet him. And he waits. And he waits. And it's clear that Elisha isn't coming. And here's where we begin to see Naaman's problem, his humility problem, begin to start to leak out. Because while leprosy may be eating away at his flesh on the outside, internally, Naaman is being consumed by his own pride. And finally, the door to Elisha's house opens up. And out comes a man who walks up to Naaman, but it's not Elisha. Elisha sends a messenger to go send a word to Naaman. Elisha's home. He's there. You, maybe you could have seen him through his window and he, you see his silhouette and he's got other things to do. He's not impressed with the entourage out there. He's got better things to do. He's binge-watching Fixer Upper on Netflix or something. And he sends the messenger out with these words in verse 10. He says, Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. Again, if you're naming in this story and this messenger comes to you and says, here's all you have to do. Go to the Jordan River, dip down seven times, you're clean. What would your reaction be? You would think he would be overjoyed. You would think he would be hopping into his chariot, setting his GPS for the Jordan River and jumping in that, 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 that river as seven times and coming out clean. That's not Naaman's reaction he begins to pout. Verse 11, Naaman became angry, stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. I mean, aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana, and the Farpar better than any of the rivers of Israel? He's talking about two of the rivers back in his homeland. Surely it's better for me to get cleaned if I would be in one of those rivers. That's where I should be healed. So Naaman turned around and went away in rage. I love what a famous pastor, preacher, author in America, Stephen Furtick, he says that he calls Naaman the meatloaf of the Old Testament. Because he will do anything for healing, but he won't do that. There you go. And and isn't it true that God often asks us to do the one thing that we think is beneath us? God, I will love anyone you want me to love, but don't ask me to love them. God, I will go anywhere you want me to go, 
but don't call me to go over there. I won't do it. God, I will, I will obey. I will follow you anywhere you want me to go, but I will not follow you into the waters to be baptized. That's, that's beneath me. I don't need that. And here is why God so often calls us to do the very thing that we don't want to do. Is that he knows even better than you do the areas of your life that you are resisting his leading. You are resisting his prompting of his spirit. And you're fighting every step of the way. You're unwilling to surrender and it's hindering you from entering into the greater things that God has in store for you. He's not punishing you. He's loving you because he wants you to learn that when you are pursuing after the greater things that God has for you, the lesser your life becomes about you. And Naaman, his pride was blocking him. He was just a few splashes away from being healed of his leprosy. But he thought this action was beneath him. He thought he deserved better. Again, how would a child respond to this? A child with leprosy hearing that all you have to do is to go to this river and be clean. That child would run with reckless abandon to that river and cannonball into that water with a smile on their face and joy and gratitude in their hearts. But Naaman thinks he deserves better. He wanted Elijah to come out of that house and see what a big deal he was. You read it. He wanted him to to wave his arms around, do this big hocus-pocus, big show out of it, and, and, and heal him on his terms. Not on God's terms. Well, luckily, one of Naaman's servants boldly steps up and says in verse 13, he says, Sir, um, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? So how much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? And for whatever reason, this one hits the mark with Naaman and he decides, all right. So verse 14, he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored. And he became clean. And this is important like that of a young child. This past Thursday morning, we had our newest member of North Terrace born into our church family, a little girl, cute as can be, a little girl named Dempsey Wickerham. Mom and dad are doing awesome, and family's doing great. And uh, we got to go, my wife and I, we went to the, the hospital to to visit them. And that's one of the pastor perks, you know, to get to hold a newborn baby. And I don't get to do it all the time, but I got to hold little Dempsey. And isn't one of the best things about newborn babies, their skin. Seriously, I mean, how soft and smooth the babies are. And here is Naaman, a man stricken with leprosy. His skin has disformed his body and he dips into the water and comes out and his skin is that like a little child because he finally obeyed the words of the Lord. You could say it this way, that this great man finally found the solution to his problem when he became like a little child. Which brings me to the challenge for you today, North Terrace. 
Because today is our, our, our baptism celebration Sunday, and we've got a lot to celebrate. Holy cow. Even more than when I said that at last service. We've got so much to celebrate. God is doing an amazing thing right now. In the first four months of the year, we have seen over 40 people choose to follow Jesus' command to be baptized into him. Last service, we had 13 more. In first service, we had one more. In this service, I know there's going to be more. In 2015, we had 84 baptisms, and that's phenomenal, church. This year, we're, we're way over halfway there, and it's the middle of May. God is doing something. And listen, Jesus is the one who set this as a precedent. When he came to the Jordan River, the same river that, he was, that, 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 that Naaman was cleansed of his leprosy, Jesus was baptized, and then he commands his people to be baptized and to baptize others. And in a few minutes, we're going to watch a few uh, video of, of a lot of these baptisms and at the very end of this. But we're also going to extend an invitation to, to you today. That there are maybe people today who didn't come today going, yeah, I'm going to get baptized today, but you're going to leave this place wet. I heard that many times, second service. I had no idea this was coming. God did. And you're, you are stepping in to the greater than that he has in store for you. The question is going to be is how are you going to respond to this? Will you respond like Naaman? Or will you respond as a little child? And, and you know what's great about children? One is that, they, is that they view greatness differently than we do. You know, we tend to look at greatness like Naaman did. If you're wealthy, if you're respected, if you're successful, you're great. But here's this little servant girl who goes, no, no, that's not greatness. I know what greatness is. It's this guy, this prophet who's given everything to follow God. He's great. And even with all of Naaman's greatest achievements, he couldn't solve the problem, the fact that he almost died a terribly torturous death with leprosy. He was desperate for a savior. But in the end, in order for him to be saved, he had to take his greatness and lay it down, become like a little child, humble himself, and surrender to God. Because when you are pursuing after the greater than that God has in store for you, the lesser your life becomes about you. One guy who understood this very, very well was a guy by the name of John the Baptist. He was Jesus' cousin. And when Jesus came to seek him out and said, I want you to baptize me because, John the Baptist said, um, no, uh, you got the wrong guy. He had that the opposite mentality that Naaman had. He said, I'm not worthy to even tie your shoes, Jesus. There's no way I should be baptize you. You should be baptizing me. Because John understood that true greatness is only found when you give up trying to make yourself great. And your life becomes about making the name of Jesus great. The, John's mission, he wrote it down in John 3. It says that Jesus must become greater and I must become less. That's it. Here's another great thing about children is when it comes to free gifts, they are all in. They are all in. Wednesday was my son Jackson's gotcha day, which means we adopted our boys and that, that's the day that the paperwork was done. It was official. He's our son. You are our boy. 
you're our, in our family, so you, we got you. That's, that's that day. So we took him to the store, and we gave him $50 and said, have fun, buy whatever you want. You know what he didn't do? He didn't look back at mom and dad and say, what's the catch here? What's your agenda here? You're, I know you're up to something. He didn't go, well, if I take this $50 and I go buy something I want, this gift, then I got to turn around and give you a gift equal to the value of $50. That's what we adults do, right? Someone gives us some nice stuff, here's a gift. Now I got to do something for you. You know what he did do? He tore through the, to- the toy store aisles like a Tasmanian devil looking for something that he wanted. Right? That's what a child does with free gifts. They are all in. And Naaman, he hears this incredible good news that you, have, you can be healed, yet he's not satisfied because he wants to do it on his terms, not on God's terms. But even after he finally obeys and he is healed, you know what he does? He goes and tries to seek out Elisha again and finds him and tries to pay him for the services. And Elisha's like, you've got to be kidding me. You missed it. You can't buy this. You didn't earn this. This is God's free gift. And in case you haven't figured it out yet, you're naming in this story. Because you have a disease that in the end is going to destroy you, and that disease is called sin. And our sin problem is a lot like leprosy. Because not only does it result in death, but it also causes separation. And it causes separation from the one person that you can't afford to be separated from, and that is God. Yet even while we were separated from him, that's when God, with his great love, chose to do his amazing work when he sent his son Jesus to take the punishment for us. Because of Jesus' work on the cross, God offers us a free gift called eternal life. And he says, this is yours. I gave my son for you. And all you have to do is like a little child, come and receive it by believing and following him. And the first way, the first way you see time and time and time and time again in the Bible, when someone receives and takes that gift, the first thing they do as a follower of Jesus is they go into that water and they follow Jesus and be baptized into him. It's a free gift. And we, like little children, should accept that gift with joy in our hearts and without hesitation. I love baptism celebration Sundays, and this one has already been phenomenal. But I could tell you right now, this, was, this is one that I was never going to forget. And the reason why is because I want you to watch this video. Check this out. So, Jackson... Ever since you were four years old, you have been telling your mom and me that you, when can I get baptized? You've been asking us that, and we've always said when it's the right time and when God tells you that it's the right time to become a follower of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so uh, around Easter this year, um, we were talking talking a lot about baptism, and you were asking more about it. Um, And Chase had a birthday party that he was going to go to at Dillon Dam. And you said that this would be a good opportunity for what? Doing our baptism talk. Yeah, that we could go and talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And where did we end up going? Starbucks. We went to Starbucks, and what did you get? Um, a 
vanilla bean frappuccino. Yeah, that's right. You didn't get black coffee like your daddy. <laughs> well, we went through this, didn't we? And where where were you at on this? Wait, right there. You're right there. On my fingers are right. <laughs> and you're and you were separated from God, just like all of us are, because of our what? Sin. Because of our sin. And how do we find our way back to God? Through Jesus. Through Jesus. And so at the end of our baptism talk, our time of, you, you said, I want to be baptized. You know, and, I, and I said, Jackson, again, I don't want you to do this because of me or because of mommy, but because God tells you it's the right time. So we came home, and I was painting a fence back there, and you were in the yard kicking around a soccer ball for a long time. And I was wondering kind of what you were doing by yourself. And all of a sudden you came up to me, and what did you tell me? I prayed to God, and um, he said, I am ready to get baptized. That's so cool. So, why, 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 why do you want to be baptized? Um, because I feel like it's kind of the right thing to do. Yeah? And because God told you to do it? Yeah. That's so cool, man. And so what what's going to happen to what's going to happen now? In 2 days. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Get baptized. That's right. And so we're going to go we're going to do that as part of our baptism celebration Sunday and buddy, I couldn't be more proud of you. I love you, man. Love you too. Yeah, that's that's going to happen here in just a few moments. Um Jackson had the same excitement there that he had on Wednesday tearing through that toy aisle. He couldn't wait for this free gift. And he wanted to receive it. And I want you to receive it just like he did. You may think that you don't deserve it. You know what? You're right. You don't. I don't deserve it. He doesn't deserve it. None of us do. And my sons are going to make bad choices. They do all the time. They will continue to make bad choices. But you know what? Because I love them so much, they are going to continue getting gifts from me because I love them. How much more will your heavenly father do the same thing for you No matter what you've done, no matter who you are, this gift of eternal life is for you. The Apostle Paul was a guy who, before he became a follower of Jesus, was a bounty hunter for Christians. He would round them up and have them executed. He was a Christian killer. How many of you have that in your past? And yet God calls to him and says, I have a plan for you that is greater than you can possibly imagine. And he sends a prophet by the name of Ananias to to Paul, and he says this. He says, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, wash your sins away, calling on his name. And I want to say those same words right back to you. What are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, wash your sins away, calling on his name. No more Lame Naaman excuses. Oh, someday I'll get baptized. I just want to clean my life up a little bit first. You're missing the point. You don't earn God's grace. It is a free gift. While we were in the midst of our sin, while we were his enemies, that's when God chose to to extend this free gift to us. There's nothing you can do to clean yourself up. You come as you are to Jesus. Well, I don't have a towel. We have hundreds of towels backstage. We don't have any change of clothes. We got you covered. We got tons of shorts and different sizes, different t-shirts. You'll get a, a one more t-shirt. You'll get to take one home as a gift from us, as a celebration to say, we're proud of you. You're part of the family. Let's do this together. 
You say, well, my family's not here. It's not about you and your family. It's about you and God. And we've got someone taking video right now. We have a photographer standing by. We'll get you the picture. We'll get you the video. You can show it to your family over and over and over again. You can share it on social media, whatever you want to do. But here's what I'm about to do now. I'm going to exit this, this stage, and I am going to go back and get ready for, the, the, for our baptisms. And I want to know who's coming with me. If today is your day, then all you need to do is to get up, be bold, come forward, ladies on that side, guys on this side. We have a baptism team who's going to come. Go ahead and get to your spots, baptism team. Get ready to go. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to do this. And I just want to say, Jesus said, unless you turn from your sin and become like a little child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So receive your free gift today. What are you waiting for?